we all remember that day. For some, the pain will never fade. When I was a kid, I always wanted to be my dad. What if that happens? What if I become him and I don't even know it? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Nerd Soup. I am Bo Oliver, joined here today with Aaron, the Nerd Soup Monkey, and we are back to review Invincible Season 2. It's been a long time coming, about 30 months since the end of Season 1, which I felt like took over. 30 months? Yeah, 30 months. Jeez. Yeah, it's been about two and a half years wow. since Invincible Season 1. That's uh, 2021, right? Sounds right. Yeah, I guess so. And it feels like, you know, when it first dropped, some people were familiar with Invincible having read the comics. But as the season went on, it, it kept bringing in more and more fans. And by that final episode 8, it really had taken over the internet. I remember seeing that Omni-Man meme, Think, Mark, Think. So many people remixed it and... Uh, you know, put their spin on it. And uh, a lot of people just enjoyed this show, similar to The Boys, where it's a uh, bit more graphic, bit more bloody, bit more mature, uh, subverting some of those superhero cliches and tropes that we've become familiar with over the last few decades because there's been so many superhero shows and movies. But this was just a real refreshing new take on the genre or an adaptation of a new take. That came out in the mid-2000s, very similar to uh, The Boys. And uh, yeah, we were treated to the first four episodes of season two, so it's been frustrating the wait, and now they're going to make us wait again because they're taking a hiatus after the first four. So the first one comes out November 3rd, and uh, they'll release week to week to week to week and then take that break. But like we said, we saw the first four. We're going to do a spoiler-free reaction to the first four episodes, so forgive us for talking in cliches of how they set the stage and they continued and blah 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 but that's what it is it's spoiler free we usually do the spoiler review so we could get into the nitty gritty the sex scenes you know mm. and the spoilers not just sex scenes no just sexy i only said that because there were some a lot of sex in these first well not a lot of sex but there was sex yeah well aaron i'll throw it to you since i'm now out of breath what did you think about these first four episodes? Yeah, I really think it picked up right where it left off. Like you said, it kind of, I mean, I didn't know about Invincible when it first came out. I didn't know about the comics, but, you know, kept hearing how good it was, gave it a shot, and it really kind of took over that, what, like eight-week span when it was... Yeah, that first episode, man, yeah. when Omni-Man kills the Guardians. Such an iconic moment, and looking back. Right off the bat, and then, yes, as the season progressed, and just going back to, like, that finale... <laughs> He really just beat the shit out of his son. <laughs> Effortlessly, too, dude. Didn't break a sweat. And, you know, this season kind of picks up off of that and letting these characters reflect on what just happened. Not just the society as a whole. Obviously, we see some of that and how they try to rebuild. But really, Mark and his mother trying to deal with this traumatic event. Mark, like, literally just getting his fucking ass handed to him, like, on the brink of death. And his mother being betrayed by her husband of all these years. Someone she had a child with, someone she loved, and... You realize that he viewed you as a, as a pet, which I still think is one of the meanest things ever uttered on in media. Yeah, and he said it in a way where it's like he couldn't understand why that would be problematic or offensive. Yeah. It's like she's more like a pet to me. I took care of her. I fed her, brought her to the park, let her get the mental stimulation, all that stuff. <laughs> what, what are you pointing the finger at me? Took her to the human park. <laughs> I adopted. Yeah. Adopt, don't shop. Yeah, that line of dialogue has really just stuck around for a lot of people. It's always being brought up how mean and callous Omni-Man was in those moments. And I was surprised by these first four episodes, how much screen time was given to Debbie, uh, focusing on her processing her grief and her trauma. I don't think that's a spoiler, but I think that's something that they could have skated past, where we all saw it, we all witnessed it, we know what this is probably doing to these characters, but... They also did a really smart job of just grounding their trauma and their grief and, and real relatable human emotions that right. it doesn't have to be a superhero spouse who did this. But, you know, when you're dating somebody and they're living a secret life and you don't know the full picture, their true intentions. And then, like you said, having to face that betrayal, it's, it's something that's very difficult for them to overcome. And uh, they also focus on, you know, not just Mark and Debbie individually, but also how their relationship has been strained because of you know, their lives have been flipped totally yeah. upside down. So they kind of retreat into these shells where Debbie is trying to process all of it, you know, all the years that she's wasted. And Mark is trying to figure out what type of hero he wants to be because he's always 
idolized his dad. That's who he wanted to be. But now it's, uh, I can't become that because yeah. of what he did. So they're in a place of, of just trying to figure things out. And for the most part, I thought it was handled very uh, intelligently over these first four episodes. Yeah, no doubt. I think it adding that layer to these characters and kind of seeing their development, even through these first four episodes, I thought, you know, you really... It really paints a, a, a real vivid picture. Um, I think a lot of fans will like that. And obviously it has some of the things of uh, we love Invincible, some, you know, cool action sequences. And it blends that so well. You get Mark, you get his, not only his relationship with his mother, but his friends. And, you know, he's still a kid. So having to deal with that, but still go to school and ha deal with his relationships and his friends while also trying to deal with what just happened and trying to figure out where he belongs in all this, you know, it kind of expands the coming of age. And another thing, like the voice cast, I think, especially for uh, an animated show, I think they added what Sterling K. Brown, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, ben I heard Schwartz. that voice right away. I'm like, who is that? And it took me a little bit, but I finally nailed it. Um, but, you know, all the returning characters from last season adding in Sterling K. Brown, it really is difficult not difficult but when you have like you know household names come in to do animation sometimes you know you're kind of like i think a, a professional voice actor would have done done the story more justice here but they kind of come in and it, it is very well done yeah it, it, it is weird like uh seeing mark hamill in house of usher i thought he was good um but he's just so much better as a voice actor and he's got a uh, I think one scene in these first four episodes when he he's the costume guy, right? And he's talking to Debbie. And I'm like, even in this scene, he's just so much better as a voice actor. So yeah. I think there is a, a difference. But I really enjoyed Sterling K. Brown's performance. And I liked how his character, without getting into spoilers, it's a nice little play on... Uh, something that's been appearing throughout all superhero shows and movies over the last four or five years. So I thought that was a little clever. I think it's like from the trailers. That's no. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I guess it is something that people do know. I'm going to double check. No, I think you're right. Because Kirkman, I think even hinted at it. And uh, just a minor spoiler warning if you don't want to know this much about the season two story. But the creator, Robert Kirkman, has commented on this. And I think they hinted at it in the trailer as well. His character is being used to explore the multiverse. So we won't get into too many details. But once again, Invincible takes these uh, tropes and cliches and storylines that we've seen in other franchises and they put a nice little spin on them. That's why the uh, the motto of not reinventing the wheel, but just uh, a new design, a new look at how, this, how these stories can be told is something I always appreciate. And I wish more... Uh, Superhero, superhero stories would do that yeah. rather than just rehashing it, change it a little bit. Well, I'm uh, not usually typically like I have a weird relationship with multiversal stories um, because in like one instance, I, I find them cool for like the the nerdy reasons like just, oh, cool. This yeah, character is this character. Like, yeah, yeah. Like the stupid fan oh, yeah, service yeah, things right. that I, I kind of enjoy at times. But I do think that you run into a problem sometimes of it making your main story feel smaller because you're just expanding so wide and it kind of adds a level of insignificance to what they're trying to tell you in the main story because all this other stuff's out there so why should I really care about what's going on here or um, what makes this special but I think it, it doesn't really fall into that category and I think when it's done right like obviously things like Spider-Verse things like even drawing a fucking huge blank right now Doctor Strange <laughs> no, not Doctor Strange. Um, Flash? No, it's not a superhero movie. One best picture. Oh, uh, Green Book. <laughs> yeah, Green Book. Everything, everywhere, all I want. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. But like stories like that, when they do it well, and it's used as, um, it's not, it's used as a tool. It doesn't really uh, take over what you're really trying to tell your audience in the main storyline uh, into the Green Book. <laughs> Yeah, no, it feels uh, secondary to the main story here. Right. Like, it's it's something that's cool. It's something that can be valuable for these characters and, and how they're using it. But that's not the main concern here. The story is still about the, the human characters. And I, I've been so impressed by how they've been able to balance the ensemble. Because we, we saw it in the last season, the uh, arc that Robot goes through with Monster Girl and how their relationship has developed. And it takes another step forward here where... 
it's him learning how to be a human, right? That was the big thing he wanted to do in season one, transfer over his consciousness to this human body. And a lot of people commented on how weird it was that he cloned Rexplode as a teenager. <laughs> but once again, it's very touching and it's very moving to see them as children helping each other out because Monster Girl's been feeling alone. Now she has a friend. And like I said, he's learning how to be a person, how to process his emotions. He's not somebody in a, behind a tube anymore. He's not, you know, operating... Uh, an exoskeleton. It's actually him. So he has to realize, similar to Mark, he has to figure out how he wants to to be a hero. And if this is something that he is now capable of in, in his human body. So that character is someone that I think a lot of people will gravitate towards because it's got the fish out of water trying to figure out your emotions, similar to a character like Spock. You, you always feel good when Spock lets you reminds you that he does have human emotions. So watching those characters grow, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, I think the secondary characters really add a lot to it as well because obviously, you know, the stars of the show being Mark, Omni Man, um, and everything they're going, everything they're doing. But um, I never get like disappointed or bored when they switch over to seeing what the Guardians are doing or what the, those characters are going through. So, and even characters like Adam Eve, um, everyone's favorite Amber, right? Isn't she? Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, the Amber stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I thought that so far, based on these first four episodes, their relationship has been, I'm so happy they've gotten past the whole, you know, rift uh, yeah. over Mark being a superhero and how, you know, he has to divide his time between his personal life and his responsibilities. It's still difficult for them to try and balance their relationship with Mark's life as a superhero, but it feels so much more natural and mature this time around. I think people overreacted to mm. Amber in season one. It's just something I never thought of when I thought of, thought back on what I loved about Invincible season one. You know, that's why it just feels so minor for people to have such a strong reaction to it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was written well in season one, but the reactions were, <laughs> we know why. <laughs> well, it's the whole thing. It's like the whole Breaking Bad thing. It's like, well, why doesn't she just let him cook meth? <laughs> this is cool. We like, we like, let Mark be a superhero. Yeah, we yeah. want to be a superhero. We want to see Mark do this thing. Don't tell him he can't. Um, yeah, there's part of that. It, it, that's a part of it, without a doubt. But it's, um, yeah, so I think everything with uh, all all the characters coming back from last season and kind of their journey so far, scratching the surface there, I think we definitely got a lot more with uh, Mark's story and seeing where that's headed. But um, I'll tell you what, the first 10 minutes are going to be fun for a lot of people. And uh, not only that, the first episode has a great montage set to Karma Police. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fight scenes during that montage, very crisp, but it, it was just so well animated and I thought it was oh, the, the perfect is, choice. Of, so good. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. If you, you know, if it's going to take you 30 months, like, I guess it kind of softens the blow when it like looks this well. Yeah. I'm, uh, I was reading into it and they said that COVID really hurt them because it was hard to get their team all in the same place. So... I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't think they have a release date for the second half of season two. God, I hope it's not more than a year because we'll see if the popularity of this show is going to match season one. Maybe they've hurt some of their momentum because yeah. people forget, man, If you, especially these days. If you don't have a new season every less than 12 months, people are going to cast you aside. The only shows that could really get away with that are like Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. And there's a running bit in the first episode that's really funny. I, they continue the running bit between the Mauler twins trying to figure out which one's the original and which one's the clone. Yeah. Probably the best comedic relief in the show. I mean, Rexplode is hilarious. Who else is funny in the show? There, there's plenty of funny characters throughout, but the Mauler twins are great. And they always find a way to include them in the main storyline in ways that the Mauler twins think are benefiting them. And it never does. It just always ends terribly for them. So that's almost like another running bit that they've continued. That's uh, I feel like that's a minor spoiler. But one thing that I do love about Invincible is you think that a fight is going to go one way and it totally doesn't. They just they bring you back to reality of this is a brutal, bloody, disgusting world. You know, it's like our world. When they drop like on like F-bombs and stuff, I'm like, whoa, 
It always catches me off guard because at times it does feel like just a, a fun Saturday morning cartoon and then you're reminded real quick. It's like, nah, this ain't it. And it can be cute and it can be yeah. wholesome in moments. So yeah, you're reminded of that R rating. You're like, wait a minute. It's not like with the boys. You kind of, you're always aware of what type yeah. of world you're in. But I think there's a fear in watching the boys, watching Gen V and watching Invincible where you truly don't know where it's going to go. You don't know when somebody's head is going to get blown off or somebody's going to lose a limb or be brutally killed. <laughs> you just don't know. And they always set it up in a way. It's like in, in an anime where, oh, this is going to be the moment where the character figures it all out. And Invincible's like, nope, he's just going to get stomped. <laughs> What's the lesson here? He got stomped. That's the fucking lesson. Sometimes you get stomped. Yeah, no, that's it's just <laughs> over and over again. Sometimes you're going to get your fucking taste smacked out of your lips. Oh, man. Uh, another uh, two more additions to the voice cast, uh, Ben Schwartz and uh, Peter Cullen. So uh, I think Ben Schwartz over the last few years has established himself as one of the better voice actors in Hollywood. He's just great at being annoying. You know, he was annoying voicing Sonic and I thought he was a good casting and He's also playing an annoying character in season two. And Peter Cullen, you know, speaks for himself. They got the voice for season two. And uh, yeah, his character kind of, it's what you would expect Peter Cullen to be voicing. Well, four episodes in, I think, are they coming back with another four? Is that the plan? Yeah, I think so the I'm plan kind of is... Just, I'm kind of pissed now. I just watched them all at once. And now I'm like... Oh, yeah. Now I gotta yeah. wait. Well, I'm trying to think. I feel like some episodes in season one were about 30 minutes, right? Like 40, I think. Okay. In that range. Because every episode this season. Oh, was, no, this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah like this 40, season. 45. Yeah, it was every episode felt like uh, like a feature length episode for a television show. Yeah. If that's what they call it, you know, in the 40, 50 minute range. Uh, there was also some complaints I remember in season one where the episodes featuring a lot of action were animated better than the episodes that were a bit more quiet. Mm -hmm. I didn't really notice that this time around. I felt like the quality of the animation was consistent throughout. And there's also a lot going on in these first four episodes where it makes it feel like a lot of those earlier episodes in season one were table setting. And now we're getting to the to the meals here yeah. where uh, it's a lot of the narrative progressing forward. And Cecil continues to be one of the best uh, <laughs> really, I... guy in the chairs, Nick Fury type. You just never know what he's what he's about. He's I, I love that type of character. The dude with a checkered pass you know gritty but there's still some humanity there you know he's fighting on the side of the angels but he, he's willing to go to any length yeah to take out his enemies so yeah his presence is great uh and another great casting there walton goggins just he's becoming one of my favorites in hollywood walton goggins yeah love walton goggins yeah. man he shows up in everything he's just fucking awesome no matter what he does. Shows up in Ant-Man for a little bit. He's just hilarious. You know, Jesse Plemons, like when this motherfucker shows up, you know the movie's about to be good. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, Walton Goggins too. Yeah. Maybe the movie's not going to be good, but he's going <laughs> to be good in it. <laughs> no, yeah. He's gonna, you're yeah. going to have fun watching him. You're going to get a chuckle out of the Gogs. Gog Squad is what we're called. <laughs> yeah, the Gog Squad. There you go. Yeah, and out of me, if I didn't get a chance to watch that prequel movie, uh, I'm probably going to throw that on tonight, but I, I've heard oh, it's yeah, really good. Oh, yeah, I forgot good. about that. Yeah, it's a, her origin story. But I like where that character is gone. You know, we always say, why don't these superheroes use their powers to do, like, humanitarian work? And she kind of put that together in her own head. Oh, yeah, I could just spend my time helping people that are being destroyed by natural disasters because that happens all the time. And uh, I wonder if they've touched on this in the prequel movie, the uh, the tension between her and her parents. Right. There's something a bit more concrete that happened that makes her dad so really just bigoted towards superheroes. Uh, he's got the similar mindset to somebody like a butcher and the boys that you guys are just too dangerous. It's mm. not worth it. The good you do is offset by all the bad that follows. So that relationship continued to be uh, complicated between Adam Eve and her family. She's so powerful that you have to imagine they're setting her up to do something awesome while also probably you know getting her skull smashed in <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just how it goes in this world she's one of those characters too like you know when you argue with like hardcore superhero fans and they're always like well this character could beat superman because of this that and this like she has potential i think to be like probably one of the more powerful people in the universe in terms right. of her actual ability and 
if you think about what she if she applied her powers in a certain way could probably be a problem for a lot of people yeah there's a there's a super super minor spoiler but there's a scene where she turns uh, an apple into gold mm-hmm. and uh the person she's trying to give it to doesn't think that it's real gold and i'm like bro i would have been giving her a fucking bundle of apples <laughs> a basket of fruit 24 carrots are you fucking kidding me yeah that's a, you know but i'm not that- a big fan of edible arrangements but <laughs> something like that would be pretty sweet i i can't it's the same thing in breaking bad uh breaking bad i understand people have pride but i can't stand it in fiction when somebody's handed like five million dollars and they're like no <laughs> they want the dinner with jay-z instead <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny one it was just it was jay-z at dinner it's like it's like you didn't take the 50k huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, but uh, like I said, just the cliches continuing where uh, season one left off. Uh, I thought that this first half of season two was just as good, if not better. And I hope people aren't, you know, put off by the long wait in between the seasons and that they do come back because it was very enjoyable. I think once it comes back out, you know, people, I think Omni-Man in particular has kind of lived on since that last season. I know. Yeah. With either memes or showing up in video games. People talking about how much, how bad he would destroy Homelander in a fight, <laughs> just shit like that. Yeah. Um, I think once people <laughs> see like Omni Man's back, or the, oh, that's the Omni Man show, he's back, like it'll get people back into it. I saw a meme, it was like, who's winning? Uh, and it was uh, Omni Man versus the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> and somebody quote tweeted it and was like, we'd well, only have to send Buttercup out there to get the job done. <laughs> I was like, yo, that's true, but the Powerpuff Girls can put hands on people, dude. They would beat the fuck out of Mojo Jojo. <laughs> they would beat the, they would, they did what they did, uh, on the man did the mark. Oh, for, yeah, For a no, PG they cartoon, to, they used to beat the brakes off this boy. Week in and week out, they were just giving that monkey man work. <laughs> they would just show him his fucking, his, his glass head would be destroyed, his yeah, brain would yeah, be sticking brain, out, yeah. eyes would be all... <laughs> And then next week he'd be perfectly fine. Maybe back to get that fucking work again. Yeah, yeah. They got universal healthcare in the Powerpuff Girls universe. They were standing on fucking business when it came to that boy. <laughs> they used to just put him in the dirt, man. Week in and week out. Shout out to the Powerpuff Girls. Get the breaks off this man. <laughs> See, when they were planning the CW show of them, you know, make it like the boys. You know, make it blood on the knuckles. Mm. Especially uh, what Blossom, Buttercup, and Bubbles. Right, Buttercup was the green one, right? She was mean. Yeah, like, you wouldn't expect that because it's Buttercup, you know? Right, right, yeah. What the fuck was that professor? What's wrong with that man? He was, and somebody let him cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that is a good point, though, because after what Omni-Man did, it was such a great cliffhanger, him leaving Earth. Where is he gone? What is he doing? Does he feel remorse? Does he feel regret? Or is he just doubling down on what he did? But I think that's why the genius of Cecil's character recruiting Mark in season one, it wasn't that he could beat him one-on-one, but he could talk some sense into him. And it's that one line, you know, what are you going to have after 500 years? And he says, I'll, I'll still have you. That's what sort of breaks Omni-Man in that moment. So it's left everybody hanging on, where does Omni-Man stand? So I think that will, like you said, it will bring people back. People will be curious about that. And he, he has become such an iconic character. And J.K. Simmons, the perfect voice, you know, that kind of mustache needs a voice like J.K. Simmons. But we will see. I hope the popularity is the same. I know that they're also talking about a live-action Invincible series. All right, guys, before we move on to the second half of this episode where we're going to answer some of your fan questions that were submitted on Instagram and Twitter, make sure you follow us there if you want to become immortalized on the soup. Uh, we're going to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors for today's episode. If you're like me and you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix, this will rock your world. With ExpressVPN, you can binge episodes of shows only available overseas. Tired of re-watching episodes of American Office? With ExpressVPN, you can binge episodes of The British Office on UK Netflix. All you have to do is fire up your ExpressVPN app, change your location, and refresh Netflix. It's that easy. ExpressVPN lets you digitally travel the world with a simple click of a button. You control where you want sites to think you're located and you can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. It's like the digital library of Alexandria without the fire hazard. funny. And it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming device, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. ExpressVPN also works on all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen. 
So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash nerdsoup, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nerdsoup. Visit expressvpn.com slash nerdsoup to learn more. And before we get back to the action, we'd like to introduce a brand new sponsor, Diet Smoke. Diet Smoke is the premier source for THC products. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast over the years, you know that I am a big fan of THC products. So I was very excited when our friends at Diet Smoke sent us over some of their gummies to sample, and they did not disappoint. Uh, I love taking edibles before watching a good movie, and I was more than satisfied with the experience. They are potent without being overwhelming. It was a very nice and relaxing feel, and it really helped me enjoy the movie I was watching because it was low-budgeted horror trash, you know, tis the season. But yeah, they were great, and I'm always a little skeptical when it comes to edibles. It feels like sometimes they work really well and sometimes they don't, but these truly hit the spot. I would not lie to you about this. I take this very seriously. And also, one thing that I truly appreciated was the taste. Sometimes you take these gummies or the chocolates, whatever it is, and they just taste horrible. (laughs) Which is fine, you're not really eating them for the taste. But with Diet Smoke, truly the best THC gummy I've had when it comes to the actual taste and flavor. Uh, And with a wide range of strengths and doses, Diet Smoke promises you'll find the perfect product for you. Whether you want something strong to unwind, a boost of energy to keep you going, or a lighter option for a mellow high, Diet Smoke is for you. They understand that everyone is different, which is why they're dedicated to helping you find the right match. Their customer service team will be by your side, guiding you along the way. Diet Smoke has THC gummies, drinks, and smokables, each one made to deliver a premium balance of flavor and effect. So don't settle for less. Join the Diet Smoke community and discover the buzz for you. Visit dietsmoke.com today and use our code NERDSOUP for 50% off any item. And enjoy your journey to cannabis bliss. Diet Smoke, your partner in finding the perfect THC products. All right, now we're going to move on to some fan questions that we asked uh, our listeners to send in. Some of them are about Invincible and some of them are just uh, sort of generic. So we'll sprinkle in a few normal questions with some Invincible questions. Let me just pull that up. Uh, Somebody asked uh, Fleeble Flop, did you guys see the Adam Eve episode? We both said we haven't, but... Definitely going to watch that before season two drops. What other DC and Marvel properties do you think would benefit from being told in animation? I mean, I think we've talked about it throughout the years, just how much we enjoy the DC animated universe and some of the movies and not even just Justice League. Oh, he says non-DC or Marvel, but sorry, continue. Well, I'm just saying like, you know, they've done a better job over the past decade plus than I think the live action movies have done. So so non-DC, he said. Non-DC, yeah. Well, even some of the... I think a lot of the DC Marvel stories would benefit more from animation. And like you said, they already have in a lot of cases. It's like the uh, the animated Civil War cartoon. A lot of people love that, where it really... Well, actually, no. Is there an animated Civil War? I think there is. I, I'm probably, probably just thinking of the comic. Well, a lot of... It makes more sense to animate these stories. A lot of big, like, big, massive look at it when adaptations are um, made into movies and people are like, oh, this would have been better if it was a series. You can even go a step further. Like, this probably could have been better as animation. Right, right. Like Game of Thrones type deal where you can really get into a lot of different things because you're not limited by um, whether it's cast or not as much resources when it comes to, I guess, financial, if it comes to the finances. But I think animation, if you were to adapt A Song of Ice and Fire, you could probably get into every storyline and it wouldn't be a hindrance on the show as a whole like it would be if it was live action. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, One Piece is the perfect example of that. If you keep writing it, keep making it, people will come. I'm 100 episodes in. I don't know what they're going to do with the lot. Like, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, a lot of people like, have wh- said that. What are they? They're gonna. Luffy's gonna it. be fifty. They're gonna. But how do you? I, I I don't know how you condense it, especially at this point. I'm sure it won't go well. Yeah, it's always easier to start, and they did a great job, according to most people, starting it. But yeah, that may not be. But the Song of Ice and Fire is a bit more almost practical than something like that, especially if it is animated. Uh, there are a lot of. Brian K. Vaughn projects like Paper Girls came out on Amazon. It was live action. I was like, man, this should have been animated Mm -hmm. because the art style is great. Uh, Saga, 
probably his masterpiece for most people. Uh, people go back and forth. He's done a lot of good things. That would be another incredible... I, I think that this eventually will be animated. And same thing, Image Comics, uh, same company that did Invincible. That would be perfect. And that's actually what Shane says that he's, you know, heard Saga tossed around a lot. Um, we Stand on Guard, another Brian K. Vaughn comic. I think that would be would make a great animated movie because it's, um, it's on an ongoing series. It did wrap up. But there, there are plenty of them, and a lot of them that have been in development hell for a long time. Like uh, Daniel Klaus's, um, God, what is it called? I think it's called Patience. Incredible comic. That's just been in development hell. So I think a lot of these fantasy stories especially would benefit uh, from being animated. Yeah. And there are plenty of Game of Thrones spinoffs. I mean, the Lord of the Rings anime is in development hell, it kind of feels like, because we rarely get any updates on it yeah, maybe so they'll like surprise us one day rings of power could have been animated yeah for a lot less money and probably very similar viewership <laughs> um yeah i think even when you look at some of the um uh, spinoffs of game of thrones and the development like i think animation would benefit to a lot of those stories it's just weird because hollywood used to have uh or hollywood used to know that 2d animation hand-drawn animation sells and uh it was really disney had a monopoly on that market and obviously they've transitioned now to what it feels like exclusively 3d animated movies cgi movies gotta say until i'm blue in the face japan they've just they're just printing money because they're making these movies with 10 million dollar budgets and they're making hundreds of millions at the box office so you could get more out of the story you can make a shit ton of money and you can make it for significantly less than if you were adapting it in live action. Yeah. Like that Lord of the Rings budget could have funded like 30 seasons of Rings of Power animation. And there's money in it that, that, that I just <laughs> like, I know you guys are all obsessed with money and you're all greedy morons. Do this correctly and you'll make money and you'll make good shows. Well, I think the audience, younger generations are more like, I don't think they're as turned off by animation as maybe older generations are. Right, right, yeah, especially now. And uh, and a lot of those younger audiences uh, that are cool with animation are now becoming adults. Mm -hmm. It's like you're seeing it with uh, the release of Spider-Man 2, where you have all these people in their 30s and their 40s, even their 50s, like, can't wait to go home and play Spider-Man 2 because that's what they grew up on. Yeah. And they haven't given that up. So it's, it's going to be the same thing. You know, in 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to have two generations of people who have grown up on anime, who have seen these stories being told through animation in ways that are, are better than live action storytelling. So I think we'll eventually see a, an American shift. They'll catch on in like five years, as they always do. We're always late to the party. <laughs> This question here from Adelaide, kind of a reverse question. After seeing the first season and a half of Invincible, how has making the show animated enhanced its storytelling capabilities, and are there areas where it could be hindering it? I think with definitely a lot of the fight scenes, I think um, definitely beneficial because one of the bit like one of the big criticisms when it comes to big blockbuster action type movies in live action. I think people point it to maybe, you know, maybe choreography or CGI isn't done well. If animation, if you have a good team, you're not going to get any of those problems. You can really, anything you can really conceptualize, you want these characters to do, you can make it happen most of the time. And it's always going to look better. And I think, I think it's always going to look better than it would be if it, it was live action. Because when you're in this animated universe, you can kind of, your brain just allows you to be like, this, this is this is going to look and feel like normal. Whereas you see live action people doing these crazy things that might not look as good or in your brain, you might be like, well, that's kind of ridiculous because I know that's not real. Where in animation, you kind of shut that part of your brain off and you just let it, let it ride. And I don't really think hindrance, uh, I guess in certain, not in this show, but I guess in certain cases, uh, maybe emotion isn't really portrayed as well in animation as it would be in live action but when it's done well and animated correctly go back to the omni-man scene in season one when he has that moment where he flies away but just the look on the look on his face and all the anguish in his voice like it's really convincing so i don't think the show runs into that problem at all yeah like i said with season one i think it's it's the episode when mark goes to mars People were frustrated by the animation, saying it was it was cheap, and you could tell that it's there's not as much movement. It's more static compared to some of the other episodes, and I think that's where budgetary problems come into play. Because when you're adapting something that is so action oriented, you need to spend a lot of your money on that because it's just more time, more rendering, more animation. 
and then you can become a little bit lazy in those smaller scenes. And I did notice it here and there in season two when characters aren't speaking and they're kind of just standing there with no expression on their face whatsoever. Yeah, I don't... That's what you run into with animation. Yeah. You always see like when, like My Hero Academia, for example, when it's movie time and they get that budget and the fight <laughs> yeah, scenes are yeah. just... You know, it's hard to compare them to the the series. Anime does a much better job of hiding some of those. Uh... They've also incorporated it into the art style. Like when you have characters in the background and they're just very like minimal, minimally drawn just to show like their outline and not even any features. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's like part of like it's almost a part of the art style. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like the low-res Pokemon shots yeah. uh, account. It's really funny. And sometimes, you know, people aren't focusing on that. So right. when somebody's off in the distance, they can just be, you know, like an outline little yellow thing and it's just Pikachu. Everybody yeah, knows that's Pikachu. That's one of the things. It's like when they want to bring it with the fight scenes, you can really just do anything you want and let your imagination take control. But when you're focusing on other things or things maybe not as important or things they don't have to look as good, you can, yeah, you maybe can tell some, maybe just being like, all right, we can push some of our energy to things that are really going to matter or really take your breath away. Where that's these, these parts, these little scenes, you know, would we like them to be perfect? Yes, but... It's the give and the take, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, Game of Thrones Season 1 walking into Vastothrak and they got those little-ass horse statues. And then mm -hmm. in Season 6, they got more budget, so the horse statues are fucking massive. So it happens in live action just like it happens in animation. I mean, we all wish that these shows and productions could add uh, endless budgets. But that's why people love movies like uh, Akira so much or the Miyazaki movies, because you're not going to find those, and not, not even calling them mistakes, but the, there's just so much personality in every single frame. Well, yeah, knowing, and you need the money and the time to do that. Knowing the tedious process, like uh, you probably, <laughs> you know more than I do, but like I have an idea of like the frame by frame. When you watch animation, especially like you said with Miyazaki, like the the little things he does with his characters, like the little little ticks or little traits that probably take hours to do that yeah. it's on for like maybe a split second. It's like you can very easily not do that. And people probably be like, yeah, I'm going to save this time and focus it elsewhere. But the fact that he uh, makes it a point to even focus on such as these little nuances that you might not notice when you watch it, but when you like kind of look back and like, oh, why did I like that? Or why... Was yeah, this why character do people brought like this so much, much to life? Yeah. And then you kind of break it down into those little little things, those little traits that bring the character to life. Yeah, it's like Stanley Kubrick having somebody type out a thousand pages of all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And they're like, damn, you really had somebody type all these out instead of just, you know, stacking one with the actual text on it or like 10 of them mm -hmm. instead of doing all 1,000? You know, the, <laughs> those are things for the creators, you know. I mean, you have copy machines. That's not how Kubrick rolls. That's not how Miyazaki rolls. That's how my lazy ass would roll. I'd be like, we can CGI everything. <laughs> we don't need actors. This question here from Giselle. Why would you guys drop the pod just to cover anime, which is shit? Poor decision. <laughs> what anime? I don't know. I guess you know, technically it's an animated show. So an anime in Japan translates to animation. Uh, we, you know, have these discussions all the time about what is anime and how the definition has changed. But yeah, I think so far since the weekly pods, we've only done this. And uh, what was the other one we did? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yeah. Well, this is good. Ahsoka is shit. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you that one, Giselle. This question here from Dom underscore O'Connor. Do you think Amazon has been putting out the best superhero shows better than Disney plus? Question mark. Yeah. At this point, I uh, put the first three seasons of The Boys and now one and a half of Invincible up against anything Disney Plus has released. And not to jump on the Marvel sucks train because everybody's, you know, choo-chooing along, but that's just fucking facts. Loki's good. But other than Loki, I guess. But uh, WandaVision season one is up to the same quality as The Boys and Invincible. And Loki season one as well for me. Yeah. I would put them, I would have to like really decide which one's better, but I, I love WandaVision. It just sucks that they started off with something that I consider to be as close as flawless as you can get into in the MCU. I think the ending was a little bit Kind of saw it coming, but for the most part, that was such great fun week to week to week. And Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, you can't just forget how good those performances were just because some of these other shows haven't been up to the same quality. They were great. Love Scarlet Witch, man. wonder how the Marvels is going to do in the box office. Oh, dude, did you see that uh, Joe Russo TikTok that he made in response to Scorsese? No. 
So did you see Scorsese when he was going back and forth with his dog? No. He was directing his dog. It's like, show me passion. And then it would just be the cute little dog. Like, show me fear. And it's just the cute little dog. And the dog was named Oscar. So Joe Russo made like a response TikTok. And he's with his schnauzer. And uh, he's like, oh, that's cute. His dog is named Oscar. Camera pulls back and he's like, this is my dog box office. And everyone was like, yo, you are a fucking loser, bro. Hell yeah. <laughs> yo, what they're doing to my boy Marty is fucking... De- what do you mean? Marty's on top of the world right now. Yeah, but to, to be so disrespectful to I your know. forefather, to Martin Scorsese, <laughs> like, just take the lick, you know? Yeah. Like, what do you... Like, you're Joe Russo, dude. Yes, we know. Yeah, and everybody went to those uh, Avengers movies because you directed it, right, Joe Russo? Like, yeah, Martin Scorsese's uh, silence didn't do as much as Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Owned. No, yeah. Silence was a, was a box office dud. <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm just so tired of the way people speak on this man's name. What was that one? Those, uh, podcast guys. <laughs> they said it's, uh, like going to the DMV. Yeah, I was surprised. Wolf of Wall Street, just like going to the DMV. Yeah, I was surprised when they brought up Wolf of Wall Street, because that's usually the one that people who don't know ball go to and be like, oh, that's the great, greatest movie ever. I know, yeah, no, then they're just turning on all of so the I they didn't like that one either. <laughs> um, <laughs> why can't people, like, like both because even the scorsese film nerds are can't say anything nice about the marvel movies and the marvel superhero people are still butthurt hurt over what he said about superhero movies like just enjoy stuff i can watch why can't everyone be like us you can go to watch close of the flower moon in three and a half hours and love it and like also be like oh i can't wait to see the new f- i can't wait for kang i've said this often i think that is the majority i yeah. think most film fans are willing to give anything a chance dude all the pretentious critics that i follow will watch anything and if it's good they'll give it a good rating the film snobs yeah it's always the people that can jokingly call themselves snobs or pretentious. It's the ones that have no self-awareness about how pretentious they are, the ones who just can't see past what they deem to be art. This question here from Pablo De Niro. If you were as powerful as Omni-Man, would you be a villain or a hero? Well, they say absolute power corrupts absolutely, so... I think I would just, like... There's a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah. Tons of pressure. Think about right now if you're Omni-Man in this very this very world right now. You're Omni-Man. <laughs> now you got to make a decision. <laughs> like, I could do nothing. I would just be like, all right. I'll I have s- a feeling I know whose side Omni-Man would be on. <laughs> but like, it's... Let me introduce you to a little comic called Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, there's it a lot of pressure. Yeah, no, You're seriously. never going to be able to satisfy well, anything. Look what it did to Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Drove him to exile. So I'm tired of having to you know, decide and, uh, cause it's between it's a, Coke and Pepsi. Yeah. It's Why easy, not both? It's easy when, you know, if an alien comes down, well then everyone, it's oh, Omni-Man. sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I do appreciate when comic book writers incorporate that, like dark Knight returns when Superman was Reagan's lackey and Batman was like, huh, I guess I got to beat the shit out of you again. Just like old times, Clark, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no matter what age I'm at, I'm always going to be, Team Batman over Superman. Yeah. Like, that just never goes away. And uh, prep time. It's going to be the Vince McMahon meme. Grandpa, can you tell me about prep time? (laughs) Cut the cameras off. Uh, This question here from DK Reps. If you can have an orgy with the cast of any horror film, which would it be? Ooh, Suspiria. Remake. Yeah. It'd be scary, though. Are we we out of that, like, setting? Are we just hanging? Yeah. uh, (laughs) If we're in the setting, it would definitely be intimidating. You might not walk out alive. Yeah. yeah. But what a way to go out. No, that would be pretty neat. Um, Just get your head snapped by that goddess that they uh, resurrect. <laughs> that was a crazy fucking movie. Oh, yeah, that was weird. That was a wild one. It's just you and that old man that Tilda Swinton plays up against like 30. Like, you're not walking out alive even if it isn't like a supernatural thing. Yeah, what's a, what's a sexy ass horror movie? I feel like early 2000s, there's a lot where they're just like get a really hot cast and that's the that's the one, two, and three. Well, even our... um, oh, uh, Evil Dead Rise, the new one. If it's just uh, the two sisters, <laughs> not an orgy, but a threesome. Bodies, bodies, bodies. That yeah. could be a fun one. Midsummer. Mids, yeah, midsummer, midsummer. They were just ha- they were just having orgies amongst other things. I need to rewatch that movie. One of uh, Marty's favorite directors, Ari Aster. This is not answering the question, but I was just thinking of the Babadook because <laughs> oh my god, the kid, the kid when like that's just the. 
And she's like, why can't you be normal? And he just fucking screams at the top of his lungs. <laughs> it's like the most effective birth control thing of all time. <laughs> why like, can't you be normal? Fuck that. If you do that to Nash, if you just say that to him, he'll scream at the top of his lungs. Oh, yeah. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> Nash is so good at impressions that involve screaming. <sighs> like his R2 is spot on. Uh, this question here from the Dude Meister Halloween theme. What's the scariest movie you've seen since the year 2000? Mine was Sinister. Damn, there's a Sinister 1 and there's a Sinister 2. Oh, Scott Derrickson. Yeah, I've heard that's good. I haven't seen it. Seems really fucked up. Movies since 2000 that have just... There's been a few. Dude, I, it was super divisive when it came out. Got terrible reviews. But I thought Unfriended was terrifying. I thought that was a really good... Uh, this new trend of just using technology, computers, laptops. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed searching, uh, missing this year as well. But I thought Unfriended did a good job of, uh, you know, using that as a way to explore the paranormal activity side of horror. And even um, there was a movie that came out. It was 60 Minutes. They do a seance over Zoom. It was supposed to be like a COVID type of thing. COVID exorcist? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, that was scary recently the witch creeped me the fuck out a lot of movies are i think the unsettling aspect of horror is always the i think the most effective uh it follows it follows freaks me out because it's just like a slowly walking thing like no matter where you go it's going to follow you so it's like you think you go to a next city and then three weeks later you like look over and this motherfucker's walking slowly at you and it's like no fucking way bro you ever see that it's like a hypothetical or like a question it's like i think it was money or I forgot how much money, but it's like, but a, a snail follows you, and if it touches you, you die. The rest of your life, right? Yeah. No, I mean, you would get caught slipping. I guess if you go to the other side of the world, you can sort of time it. But what if it's going to get there? No, it's going to get there, yeah. Just got to keep moving. <laughs> yeah, you just, oh, well, you could live as a vagabond just traveling the world. Nice little Anthony Bourdain. Did you like House Usher? I did. Oh, the Flanagan Man. That and, was so um, good, man. House of Usher was really good. Yeah. It's like spooky uh, succession. <laughs> it really was. I'll tell you what, dude. There was uh, El Conde on um, Netflix, a horror movie, horror comedy. Very similar vibes. Uh, it was like spooky succession. You know, family of children fighting over their dad's fortune. And I'm like, man, succession has had influence already. Rich people are so bad at being rich. Just, just chill. Some do. For every... um. You know, Rupert Murdoch Jr., there's a Ron Reagan. You know Ron Reagan? No. He's Ronald Reagan's son. Oh. Yeah. Sometimes they get it. All right, we'll take one more or a couple more questions here. Big fan of trickle down when it comes to a trust fund, huh? Uh, this question here from Allison, will the strikes end? Can the studios give up already? Someone tweeted yesterday that it's going to end, right? The last report I read was that the studios are going to wait until January to negotiate. Uh, and it's Bob Iger is really the one that's holding things up. No, I saw a tweet. Someone said that it's going to be soon. Like, it's pretty much a done deal at this point. Then I guess we're... There we go. Allison, it's, <laughs> it's over. Studios have uh, caved. No, I think they will cave soon. I mean, it just makes sense, dude. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. We should be having Dune this month. Think about that. Yeah, no, we should be having Dune too. Should be in theaters. I'm actually so stupid, man, that they pushed it back. That thing would have been ripping. The internet, the people would have been enough to promote it. You don't need Willy Wonka on Hot Ones. I'm going to hate watch that movie. He he could be in trouble here. Uh, if shall he? Wonka and Bob Dylan back to back both kind of sunk. Loses some of that esteem. I don't know. He's not people, going the Leo route. People should have said, keep saying Tyler Gismondo should have been Wonka. Kind of, yeah, of course he should have. That motherfucker looks like a Willy Wonka. I, Willy Wonka terrified me as a kid. Oh, yeah. The original? Yeah. Gene Wilder, man. What a performance. Excellent. Best actor of all time, seriously. Gene Wilder? Maybe. People say it's the best performance of all time. It, it really could be, dude. He's so good in that fucking movie. It's it's in my top five favorite performances, without a doubt. Chocolate, of course. Uh, this question here from Jack underscore McKellen. Thoughts on Dunkin' Egg? Well, we've talked about how much we love that series and uh, their casting mm. at the moment. That's a good sign. You know, with these Game of Thrones spinoffs, so many have been announced and it looks like the Night of the Seven Kingdoms is the one that is moving forward here. 
So yeah. yeah, I think that's got a lot for um, like that story has a lot like to offer when it terms when it comes to not just like obviously fans of the books and who have read the series know how how good it is, but I think it translates well to a general audience that just like Game of Thrones. And I feel like a lot of people who were fans of Game of Thrones became fans of House of the Dragon, and I think we'll follow over to Dunkin' Egg as well. I think just like the premise, these two characters, I think when you look back at what people enjoyed, obviously the fights and the, the dragons and all that, but when it came down to it, things like Arya and the Hound and, you know, Brienne and Pod, these little odd couples having their journey in this crazy world, I think that translates well and relates to a lot of people and is very much enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice change of pace, like you said, focusing in more on just two characters rather than a huge ensemble. Obviously, there are more characters than just Dunkin' Egg, but it's it's about their relationship. Yeah. And you still got the, you know, sneaking around and betrayals and on the the overlying threat of a war and duels and trials by combat and all that all the fun stuff yeah yeah it's still got a lot of that game of thrones stuff um george r, r. martin tweeted basically his you know his take on current events in the world you know he posted an old quote that was that. yeah all, all right to the comments and everything which is like <laughs> finish the fucking book you old bitch it's so funny because i've been so consumed by everything that's been happening and as soon as i saw him tweet my first thought was yeah bro finish the fucking books I don't need to hear from you. All right, guys, that does it for our spoiler-free review of the first four episodes of Invincible Season 2. I think we may come back uh, throughout Season 2 and maybe do reviews after the episodes air. I think they're going to just drop the first episode rather than doing the first two to spread it out since it's only four before this break. I would hope so. Yeah, it makes more sense. Keep the four weeks, make them feel as long as possible. And I think there's enough in each episode to justify. You don't need to drop the first two. The first episode's about 46 minutes, and uh, it's it's great. And all the episodes are great. So I imagine week to week, you know, it's going to suck having to wait, but there's a lot there to to chew on. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us for this episode. Make sure you like and you share this video if you enjoyed listening to us yap for an hour. And enjoy your week. Aaron, thanks for joining me. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow, that was probably our best review yet. Hey guys, Aaron the Nerd Soup Monkey here with a brief shameless plug before we end the video. Do you ever feel like you don't have an adequate amount of nerd soup in your life? Like you're going to bed hungry and yearning for the nonsensical yet entertaining nutrients our podcasts provide? Well, we've come up with the perfect solution. The Nerd Soup Fan Question Podcast, exclusively available to our Patreon supporters. You can sign up now by visiting patreon.com slash nerdsoup, and for the price of only $1 per month, you'll receive exclusive access to our weekly podcast, where we answer your questions that don't make it to the main show. And while you're there, you can check out the other rewards we offer to our patrons, like stick mugs, t-shirts, behind-the-scenes footage, and appearing in the credits at the end of our videos. And that's exactly what we're gonna do right now. Roll the names of the nerds who make Nerd Soup possible. The reason why the crypto crash didn't send our lives spiraling down a black hole of no return. Alright, I'll stop talking so you can listen to this jazzy-ass music while checking if Bo spelt your name wrong in the credits.